Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Manish Jaradi, and I am a senior strategist at Standard Chartered Bank. We are recording this on Friday, the 5th of February, and we have just released our weekly market view where we ask ourselves, should we sell? The past couple of weeks have been volatile for risk assets. We discussed what our proprietary indicators are signaling with regards to near-time price action and analyzed recent improvement in fundamentals. We'll also talk about the latest developments from Asia. And lastly, we'll get an update on the U.S. earnings season with implications for some of our preferred equity sectors. To discuss what all this means for investors, on today's podcast, I have with me Manfred Gill, Head of Fixed Income Currencies and Commodities Investment Strategy, and Marco Iacchini from our cross-asset strategy team. Manfred, let me start with you. Technicals, particularly for equities, continue to look stretched and vulnerable to pullbacks. Should investors sell here? What do fundamentally say? Uh, hi, hi, Manish. Um, no, our, our advice would, would actually not be to, to, to sell here. Um, and I think on the point on fundamentals, actually, those are quite positive. Um, we actually do agree with you that you know, the, from a short-term perspective, uh, you know, many indicators are still arguing, uh, you know, for the potential of a short-term pullback. So, if you look at, obviously, technical indicators, you look at market positioning indicators, or indeed our own proprietary market diversity indicator, uh, many of these still argue that, you know, markets do look a little bit stretched short-term. However, there's a difference in our view between, you know, selling and trying to time markets and what we believe to a better approach, which is the buy on dips. And let me illustrate this with a short example. Um, if, you know, since we first started talking about the risk of short-term pullbacks in around 15th uh, January, we have had a little bit of a short-term pullback. Uh, you know, we had the concerns around, you know, specific stocks where, where a number of short sellers were involved. Uh, and global equities, you know, faced a peak to trough uh, about a 4% sell-off. But end-to-end, uh, since 15th January, global equities are still up about 1.7%. So the question is, could you have done better than that 1.7%? And if you were, with hindsight, able to time it perfectly, of course, you would end up doing a little bit better. But you missed it even by just two days. Your net return over that period uh, ends up looking much closer to 0% rather than 1.7% that a simple buy and hold got you. So that, to, to us, simply illustrates how difficult it is to time markets precisely because you're not only trying to time when to sell, but it's equally important in a rising market to, to time when, when you have to get, get back in. Uh, and making those two decisions we know is very, very difficult. Uh, and, and I think it's a fundamental that, that sort of you know, make it more difficult in a rising market. So if you're looking at, of course, the vaccination process, supportive policy, uh, those are still very positive for fundamentals. And we're seeing some of that come through in the, in the before 2020 earnings season uh, where we're getting big sort of upside surprises. So that's why when you pull it all together, we would not necessarily try to sell and time markets. We just think a, a strategy which is more prudent and has a much higher chance of success uh, is to stay invested. And if we get a pullback, we buy on debts. Yes, uh, timing can uh, timing the market can be particularly very tricky. But okay, let me let me ask you then. 
are rising bond yields a threat to our credit views? That's a good question because I think, uh, you know, when you take, talk about a, a strong sort of earnings recovery, that's of course positive uh, fundamentals for equities, but equally believe that there are positive fundamentals for, for, for credit or what term we use to describe corporate and emerging market bonds. Now, bond yields, I would argue, yes, absolutely they are risk. I mean, if nothing else changes, you know, bond, rising bond yields mean, you know, bond prices go down. But I think there are two points to bring out here. First is that, you know, from a size perspective, there's a difference between a modest rise in treasury yields and a really big surge in treasury yields. Uh, our view is that, you know, any rise in, in treasury yields will be modest. Uh, I think that sort of lines up with what we're seeing on, on the inflation side and clearly what's, what's coming through from a messaging uh, perspective from the Fed and, and Chair Powell a few weeks ago. Um, so, you know, the, the view on 10 years sort of a rise to about uh, no more than 1.25 to 1.3 percent that we laid out, you know, at the outlook, at the time of the outlook 21, we think that's sort of still very valid. The second point is that when you're buying corporate credit or emerging market bonds, uh, equally important is, you know, the credit spread. Uh, or in other words, how much of a yield premium are you earning uh, over and above the treasury? Because uh, bond yields can rise modestly, but though that yield premium can narrow to help, you know, partly or, m- or more than offset that rise. Uh, and indeed, over the last three weeks, that's exactly what we saw. I mean, bond yields crept higher, but those yield premiums narrowed and, and partly offset, you know, that rise in bond yields. Uh, and we step back for a moment and sort of just look at the big picture. Most yield premiums for our preferred asset classes are still around the long-term median levels. Uh, so that means there's quite a lot of room for those, you know, yield premiums to compress. Uh, and we think more than offset, you know, what the modest rise in treasury is that we expect to see over the coming six to 12 months. So overall, where that leaves us is that, yes, a modest rise in bond yields in treasury yields is possible, uh, both in, in the short term, but indeed on in a full year basis. Uh, but we're still quite comfortable, you know, uh, holding or if anything, adding on dips to our preferred areas and in credit. So that's, of course, you know, Asia dollar bonds, that's, uh, you know, global high yield bonds, uh, but also emerging market bonds, both in dollar and local currency terms. Thanks, Matri. Yes, so it does look like, you know, a gentle rise in bond yield shouldn't really pose a threat to uh, our credit views. Um, okay, Marco, let me, let me turn on to you. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm switching back to equities again. Uh, let's, let's, let's dive a bit deeper into equities and, and especially regions. What are what are your what are the risks for Asia and Japan equities after the strong performance year to date? Hi, um, yes, thanks, Manish. Absolutely, we have seen a um, a rise of about nine percent year to date for the Asia and Japan equities, and we are seeing some early signs of potential weakness actually. From a technical perspective, looking at the weekly charts, uh, we do see some bearish indicators flashing red. Now, you couple that with highly overbought conditions, low market diversity, what that means is that the hurdle to maintain the pace is actually quite high. But we would not view this trend as reversing, rather as a consolidation before hopefully another leg higher. It is also worth mentioning that there are near-term liquidity concerns in the Hong Kong-China markets, and this um, is more particularly to the, not the, the region overall, but to China specifically. And what has happened is that the uh, money market rates jumped off the back of an unexpected liquidity tightening that was triggered by the PBOC's uh, open market operations. But we believe that the recent move is basically a policy normalization after loose liquidity in December and January. So taking away some of the excess liquidity that was in the market. 
In fact, the PBOC also reiterated that the central bank would maintain stability and consistency in policy and not prematurely withdraw ongoing stimulus. That gives us some comfort um, with regards to our view. Now, having said that, the upcoming Lunar New Year holidays could see reduced southbound flows into the Hong Kong market as the Stock Connect will be closed from the 9th to 17th of February. Now, despite the reduced liquidity, uh, we do continue to view Chinese equities both onshore and offshores as a preferred market within Asia and Japan in the medium term, as we do think that the fundamentals do remain supportive. Okay, uh, then um, let's talk about sectors and, and what can we learn from technicals and earnings in, in U.S. financial and U.S. technology sectors? So that's a, um, it's a two-pronged question. Let me first start perhaps with a bit of an update on the U.S. earnings season and specifically around the, the financials and uh, technology sectors as, as these are two of our preferred uh, sectors within the U.S. equity market. Now, the results of the season, which is still ongoing, are quite encouraging. We have about 53% of the companies in the S&P 500 having reported so far. And uh, expectations now for Q4 2020 are actually inched up to positive territory with about 2% growth uh, versus last year. And this is important because it compares to uh, a decline of 10%, which was expected at, begin at the beginning of the season, of the reporting season. Now, if I focus specifically on the financial sector, we have about 80% of the companies that have reported, and earnings surprising surprises have been quite significant, and especially to the upside. Um, now, since our base case is for a vaccine-driven vaccine, vaccine -driven recovery, which will drive further earnings and buyback growth, we do think that the U.S. financial sector uh, has the fundamental support to remain a preferred sector for us. Shifting over to the tech sector, we have about, at this point, 47% of the companies reporting so far, also with positive earnings surprises, but perhaps not as, uh, not as positive as uh, those in the financial sector. But we have to keep in mind that in the financial sectors, the, the levels were much lower, and therefore the potential beats were easier, slightly easier to achieve. So we, in, uh, with, um, with regards to the tech sector, it has been resilient throughout the pandemic, and the full year 2020 earnings are expected to be at about 11% growth, which would signify the highest growth rate across all sectors. And this, um, you know, given the ongoing shifts uh, secular shifts in favor of the sector does bode well for it, and we do think it's, uh, it's, it warrants us to keep it as a preferred sector. Now, just to finish off with regards to technicals, um, for both sectors, it's a slightly different picture. With regards to financials, we look at uh, monthly charts, and we see that the, the V-shaped rebound and the new cycle high after such steep losses are a sign that the sector is preparing for a decisive break higher. Um, right now, we're about 1.5% from the uh, previous um, 2020 high. And But similar to uh, one point that I want to make is that similar to Asia Japan equities, uh, the, the recent short-term uh, retracement actually, in our view, is more of a sign of a short-term consolidation before the next leg higher instead of a, a, a big concern for a downside uh, pullback. With regards to S&P 500 Information Technology Index, this is actually is still benefiting from ongoing momentum. And uh, both looking at the short-term and longer-term charts, it continues, momentum continues to be supportive for a further rise. Now, we would think that perhaps we could see double-digit, low double-digit growth uh, for this sector. So just to sum up, 
both the fundamental and the technical picture for both both of these sectors in the U.S. looks good, and those are some of the reasons why we continue to prefer them prefer them in our asset allocation. Thanks, Marco. Thanks, Manpreet, for taking part in today's discussion. Thank you all for listening into today's podcast. Please stay safe and do reach out to your relationship manager or check the SC Private Bank app if you would like a copy of our weekly market view report. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.